You know what's kind of popular right now? NFTs, non-fungible tokens, baseball cards, basketball cards, football cards, memorabilia in general. But what about new age memorabilia? What about memorabilia that is dedicated to fantasy football? Well, the newest feature on the Brodo app, debuting this week, Brodo Fantasy Cards. Replacing player profiles, these fantasy cards give you all the athletic information you need for a player, plus all the relevant fantasy stats. And not only do they give you that during the season, it is a living document. You get literally every single stat that you need to make a decision about a player right on the Brodo cards, the player cards, the newest feature on the Brodo app that already comes with a ton of features uh, that you can't get anywhere else, including advanced stats like uh, true throw value, true target value, rushing yards over expectations. You could build charts. You can check articles. You could do your own research. Coaching tendencies are on there. Consistency charts are on there. Every single stat that you need and also this podcast and our articles and our waivers during the season and our rankings. All of that is available on the Fantasy Football by Brodo app available now wherever you get your apps. With that being said, let's start the show. Welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast presented by BrotoFantasy.com. I'm your host, Tim Petrop, with my brothers, the only two twins that give you double that fantasy goodness, Michael and Jason Petrop. Oh, baby, you know that if you have been a fan of this show for a while, we are Jets fans. But during this time that we have been in this endeavor, you know... Podcast is what we've basically identified ourselves as. But years ago, we decided podcast is not enough. Because even if we're the best, and if I must say so myself, we're the best. Even if we're the best, you know, this is this we're a little fish in a big pond. So let's separate ourselves. Let's give the people something that they never got before. And Ryan Tannehill just ended up being the poster child of this beautiful stat invented by our very own Jason Petropoulos called True Throw Value that said, wait a minute, Ryan Tannehill wasn't great with the Dolphins, but he was efficient. The sixth most efficient passer in the league. The next year, based on the stat, Jason told you, not only is Ryan Tannehill going to supplant Marcus Mariota as the starter for the Tennessee Titans, he is going to excel. In fact, that season... Jason not only ranked Ryan Tannehill above Marcus Mariota, even though Marcus Mariota was a starting quarterback week one, he ranked Ryan Tannehill above Derek Carr. Ended up being a great decision. <laughs> Another starting quarterback in the NFL. Then, last season, when everyone told you, oh, it was just a flash in the pan, Ryan Tannehill's only good because Derek Henry rushed for so many yards. He came through and threw another 33 touchdowns and was in the conversation for MVP. Now Ryan Tannehill gets Julio Jones. And our pseudo-favorite team, because of what we invented, just got that much better. And with that, I say hello to Michael and Jason. What's good, guys? Quasi-Titan fan party. That's the term I preferred to use last season. I started to call us Quasi-Titans fans, and I'm sticking to it because we basically are, and I'm very happy to see Julio go to Tennessee because... 
it's honestly a match made in heaven um, for NFL purposes and I think fantasy purposes where Julio is getting older in age and he's getting injured a bit more. Now he can be super efficient when he's on the field and he doesn't need as many targets to be a beast. I love it. Let's, I love it. Let's start with this. Michael, let's start with you since uh, Jason uh, kind of got started here. There's a lot of fantasy out. Like when, whenever, if There's not a lot of big trades in football. Big trades don't really happen. There's free agency. There's the draft. But trades in football, that's more of a baseball thing. And even in basketball, there's not really many big trades. There's more like Blake Griffin gets released and then signs with the best team in the league to get a ring. Um, but in football, when because football is the ultimate team game, when you have a player like Julio Jones going to another team, dominoes just start to fall. So let's start on the Tennessee Titans side. Um, let's start with the man himself, Julio Jones. I think that Julio... So Julio comes in, changes his number to number two. I think not only is that symbolic because... Um, you know, he kind of let A.J. Brown stay with the number 11. A.J. Brown offered him the number 11. He turned it down. He went with the number two. And I think it's also symbolic because if I'm looking at this roster right now, Julio Jones is the number two receiver. And that's the first time that Julio Jones has ever been a number two receiver. Remember, entering his year 32, uh, year 32 season. Um, also, he is he got injured last year. So, not many examples of successful 32-year-olds who missed the previous year with an injury playing for a new team. Like, this is something that we don't usually see. So, Michael, how do you feel about Julio Jones here, and how do you feel about uh, his impact in, in with the Titans? I want to start by saying it's super cool, the, like, very obvious mutual respect that these two guys already have for each other. Because, I mean, first off, A.J. Brown... If people forgot, like, obviously, this offseason, he made that video a couple weeks ago saying to get Julio and all that. Everyone saw that. But he wore a Julio Jones jersey on the field during pregame warmups this year. Like, he fucking loves Julio Jones. And he clearly respects him OD, and he was, like, begging the Titans to go get him. And you saw how hyped he was when they actually went and got him. And then Julio Jones coming in and letting A.J. Brown keep his number, even though Julio has clearly earned the right to kick A.J. Brown out of that seat. This is very, very cool. And like you said, 32 years old, declining in terms of overall health and such. He was still very, very solid, very good, very efficient, even when healthy last year. And now he gets the true throw value king in Ryan Tannehill. There's a reason why we love him so much on this podcast, and it's because he's an absolute beast that does not get the respect that he deserves and you do not it is not an accident that the titans went out and got julio jones they know that this team is built to win now and they want to win now and julio jones added to aj brown derrick henry and ryan Tannehill is just going to be glorious and super fun to watch jason how do you feel about it yeah i kind of gave my spiel i mean it's Short and simple, man. It helps everyone. This team is going to be... It, the only thing, like, yeah, A.J. Brown might not see 200 targets. But what's he going to see 200 targets anyway? I doubt it. What this does is put someone who's actually good opposite um, opposite of A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown has been dealing with Dudu McDudusin on the outside the, his entire career with Corey Davis, who now I have to see play on the Jets. Who? So I was actually considering just being a... Titans fan overall until Elijah Moore came to town because I love that guy. But 
with Julio, like people are really underestimating what Julio Jones does to an offense. If AJ Brown is single covered at any point, he's a threat to take it 80 yards to the house. And when you have a guy like Tannehill who's able to hit AJ Brown for these 80 yard touchdowns, it's going to be an efficiency mania out there in Tennessee. So, yeah, AJ Brown might see less targets. I, he'll probably see a similar amount of targets. People are out the door in Tennessee. They don't have a tight end anymore, not named Anthony Ferkser. So, and they lack weapons outside of their top two receivers. And Derrick Henry doesn't have a lot of room in the pass game. He just, that's just never how he's been used. So I'm happy about AJ Brown as well. If I'm being honest, like I really don't think this hurts him too much. I think it's just great all around. Yeah. I, I think, the first thing you think about is greatness, right? But I think that there is something to be said about, you know, the fact that he is 32 years old. Um, looking at this list, and I'm not going to lie, like I just thought of this right now, so I'm, I'm vetting this list as we go. So this could be wrong. Um, there could be extra people. But for what I see here, there are only three people in the history of the NFL – Again, I could be missing some people, but three people in the history of the NFL who have ever changed teams and had a thousand yards in their year 32 season or above. Terrell Owens, Randy Moss, and Jerry Rice, and that and those are the only people. Julio that, Jones is them though, and that's what I'm saying. He's those people, and right, and that's what I'm saying. So if anyone could do it, he's on their level. Like maybe not. Maybe not on Jerry Rice's level, but he's in that conversation of kind of goatish wide receivers. So if anyone and could the concern, do it, the concern really with Julio has never been his play. Like nobody last year saw Julio Jones on the field and said, "Oh man, this guy got worse." Yeah, it's just the injury concerns, the fact that he's kind of breaking down year after year. And honestly, if someone were to put an over under of like eight and a half games for Julio Jones to play. I, I don't know if I'd be able to bet the over. Like, maybe, I mean, that's half, half the season. I think he'll play. Maybe make it, like, 11 and a half since there's 17 games this year, too. But, yeah, like, that's the real issue. Right now, he's still playing at a pretty damn elite level. See, that's, see that I think, and I think that's the issue, Michael. I think that one thing that I'm not excited about is, first of all, I just want to, what for one second, RIP to Jason's sleeper of the year, Josh Reynolds. Um, Jason was really excited about that. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I, yeah. I apologize in advance, Jason. That is dead in the water. Um, but maybe Josh Reynolds is a good play because Julio Jones misses a few games because this is a guy who hasn't played a full season um, without at least leaving the game with an injury in a while. And it's all about foot injuries. And as you get older, foot injuries gets worse. I'm no professional athlete, but I could tell you plantar fasciitis gets worse as you get older. <laughs> I know from personal experience. Um, but with that being said, you know, Every single player comes with an injury risk. Every single player comes with an age risk. I love the fact that he has so much clout in the NFL, particularly in this locker room. It seems like he has a bunch of clout. Um, his skill set really matches Ryan Tannehill, so I'm also excited about that because he's great off the play-action pass. I, I I think it's a home run. I, I think that Julio Jones actually, if you're looking at – if you're taking injuries out of the equation, I think Julio takes a giant step up here. Uh, because I'm going to go over this in just a second. Ryan Tannehill, greater than sign, 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 Matt Ryan. Um, 
and he and it yeah he has to compete for targets but he already was competing for targets with Calvin Ridley who is an absolute monster and I think Calvin Ridley gets a big bump up as well here and we're gonna talk about the Falcons in just a second but I think Julio actually has a better fantasy outlook in Tennessee if he could stay healthy so interesting there it's gonna be interesting to see where he goes uh I feel like you can get him at a premium because of A.J. Brown. I'm sorry, not at a premium because of A.J. Brown, but time will tell. Um, we mentioned how we think this is going to work for um, for A.J. Brown. I have something to say about Anthony Ferkser later. So as you know, this show, if you read the title, is our initial top 12 tight end rankings. So we'll get into that. So let me move over to the Atlanta side. On the Atlanta side, you have the path cleared for Julio Jones. I mean, from Julio Jones. The first thing you hear right away is two things, Kyle Pitts and Russell Gage. So I want to hear from you guys because I have some very strong feelings for Kyle Pitts and Russell, Russell Gage. Um, so uh, take it away. I'll take the Russell Gage side because I'm still – I'm going to be more skeptical of Kyle Pitts than you two, just the whole rookie tight end thing, and I know he's going to be playing – across the formation but like how many times have we heard that before that these guys are going to come and play all over the field and uh play outside inside fucking stand in the end zone and go off sides but catch a touchdown some crazy shit like you'll just hear anything about these guys in may and they're rookies and he was picked third so i'm not really buying into the coach speech much right now i honestly think that i wouldn't be surprised if kyle pitch is blocking way more than people want him to be blocking when the season starts I'm a little weary of rookie tight ends, but I do like me some Russell Gage. I've been on the Russell Gage train for a while now. Uh, the last couple of years, I've been pretty spot on with um, when to stream him and when not to stream him. And it's kind of aligned with when Julio Jones or Calvin Ridley are out. Uh, he averaged almost, if you look at his pace uh, last year, at the end of the season, he would have he'd, he would have ended the year with over 1,000 yards, uh, a decent amount of touchdowns. We're looking at a guy who is now the number two option. I'm going to say he's a number two option. I'm not putting Pitts ahead of him just yet. In an offense that should score points because the Falcons' defense isn't good, and he's probably a bargain. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he's an up-and-down option this year. Uh, Matt Ryan is up-and-down himself, so you have to take that into consideration. But I'd, I'd say right now that Russell Gage is a value no matter where he's drafted as long as he's outside of the top 36. Uh, interesting, interesting. Michael, I'm going to let you, uh, I actually, you know what, Michael, we'll get to you, Russell Gage, in a second. Actually, let me get your Russell Gage first, because I, I do agree with you, actually, Jason Pitts. I know, I know you said, on Pitts, I know you said that it's, you're going to be lower on him than most, but I'm, I'm about to tell you why I'm a little lower on Pitts than many people. I heard someone who I really respect in the fantasy industry, Andy Holloway, say that he's ranking Pitts fourth in the tight end rankings, which it b blows my mind. And, I, and you know, every time the fantasy footballers do something, it's funny because you can you see the Twitter dominoes kind of falling every time the, the fantasy footballers say something. Like, everyone's like, oh, yeah, now this is my original thought. Like, we don't all listen to the fantasy footballers. Um, but, you know, but you know that kind of has, has caught on now since Andy Holloway has said it. Um, so I'll get into Kyle Pitts in a second. But, Michael, Russell Gage, how do you feel about him? I'm more interested in talking about Kyle Pitts, if I'm going to be honest with you. But uh, <laughs> if if you're forcing me to talk about Russell Gage, like Jason said, he he was a very solid PPR wide receiver several 
weeks last season, um, basically every single time that Julio Jones or Calvin Ridley was out, he was viable. Even when they were both in, he was viable several times. He is a uh, he is now competing with Calvin Ridley, Olamide Zacchaeus, uh, whatever Blake I forget his first Christian Blake I think his name is. Like it's not like the Falcons signed a receiver. The only new weapon is Kyle Pitts, of course, but Russell Gage, uh, like, it's not someone I'm super excited about. You know, like, I'm not going into every draft like I need to get Russell Gage. He could be a top 24 receiver. I think he'll have his wide receiver three flex-worthy weeks, but I don't think he's necessarily someone that you need to be targeting heavily or is that going to, or is going to, like, be a breakout star or anything. I just think he'll have his solid wide receiver three PPR weeks where he gets 10 targets, catches eight balls or 70, 80 yards, and you were happy you plugged him in, but I don't I don't see him having like some sort of breakout season or anything like that. All right, so what about Kyle Pitts? You see him having a breakout season? <clears throat> Kyle Pitts, man, I know you guys are on the uh no early tight end train, but look, the last time we saw a tight end have a solid rookie season was Evan Ingram in twenty seventeen. I mean, Evan Ingram solid. ended as a tight end four. Why did he end as a tight end four? Because he saw 115 targets. Why? Because the Giants team was trash and all the wide receivers got hurt and they forced Evan Ingram into a large pass-catching role. Transfer that over to the 2021 Atlanta Falcons, who are looking to win. You don't draft a tight end fourth overall, and you don't skip on a new franchise quarterback when you have a 38-year-old Matt Ryan if you're not trying to win, who just traded away Julio Jones because he basically requested a trade. And now we have Matt Ryan, who in 2018 had the third most attempts, pass attempts. 2019, the first, third most first, pass first attempts. First most attempts last year. The most. 20, uh, 2018, third. Oh, oh, oh. 2019, third. 2020, first. And it's not like the Falcons' defense is going to be scary. This is a team that is going to be trailing and or in shootouts, just like they have been literally every single season for the past, like, eight seasons. And Calvin Ridley is not going to be able to hold up the entire offense. Enter Kyle Pitts, this new revolutionary unicorn type player who was drafted fourth overall that a lot of people think is a hybrid tight end wide receiver. And let's not forget, guys, the tight end position is an absolute joke for the vast majority of the season. So I'm kind of in on Kyle Pitts. I'm not going to lie to you. I have him ranked as my fifth tight end. Michael, I'm not going to draft him there, though. Michael, I'm I not, mean, I'm some not, people look. are really going in and reaching for Kyle Pitts, like in some FFPC drafts that are tight end premium. He's going in the second round in nah, some drafts, wild. which that's is wild. laughable. That's wild. Yeah, that's wild. Absolutely. I'm not going to I'm not going to do that. But in some drafts, depending on where he goes, I feel like I'm not going to roster much Kyle Pitts because the hype train might get crazy. But I mean, if he's there later on in the draft and I'm looking for a tight end, I might take the shot. Look, look, Michael, you know my I've made it very clear on this show. Everyone knows my my stance when it comes to drafting, uh, when it comes to predicting a player's success. And that is I do not draft and I do not rank and I do not make bets on things that have never, ever happened before. I just don't do it. I don't make bets on things that have never, ever happened before. And Kyle Pitts no matter what 
you say, no matter what type of narrative you try to put on the fact that he's this, he's that, he's this, he's that, he's a tight end. He's a tight end, period. And you mentioned Evan Ingram and John Carlson of the, of the Seahawks are the only two tight ends in the... It's, I'm sorry, since 2003, in the last 18 seasons, to have more than 600 yards in their first season. So, and you, all right, so you're saying tight end four. You said tight end five, but you're talking about people talking about tight end four, right? I think it's just too high. Let's, let's take a look at what we're looking at, right? Last year's tight end four was TJ Hawkinson, who, by the way, got picked seventh or eighth overall in the actual draft, only four picks behind Kyle Pitts, and was supposed to be a transcendent talent. The tight end that went net after him, Noah Fant, although he, he was .01 slower than him in the 40, tested as a better athlete in almost every other one of these, uh, you know, measurements. So, athletically, we've kind of seen someone of his athletic profile come in and have a great rookie season. Noah Fan had 500 yards in his rookie season, had another good season last year for a tight end with 600 yards, plus these are good seasons, but they're tight end seasons, and tight end is the hardest position in football to learn, and that... that I mean, besides quarterback, of course, but that comes through every single year in fantasy. In fact, let's go to that tight end four number. Let's, that seems to be the magic number, right? Over the last three seasons, if you take the average uh, PPR fantasy points that the tight end four scored, you get an average of 204 PPR points. Michael, Jason, who do you think is the last tight end in the NFL to have 204 PPR points in his final, in his in his season, I actually I actually told Michael this already. So I know Michael, the answer. Yeah. yeah, Michael, you don't you don't talk. I'm confused Jason. by the phrasing. So who? So the let me rephrase it one more time. If you're confused, then maybe the listeners are confused. Over the past three seasons, the tight end four has averaged 204.3 PPR points per game. Who was the last tight end to reach 204? Point three PPR points overall in a season, in his rookie season. Pretty straightforward question, Jerry. Are you seriously confused right now? The last rookie to score two hundred four points. That's yes. That's what the whole spiel was. Yes, in his rookie season. I mean, in his rookie season, tight end. I'm gonna assume it's Evan Ingram. No, but he came close. He came close. He was on like oh, one seventy so something before Evan Ingram. Mm-hmm. Someone you? I'm telling you, it's a household name. Aaron Hernandez. Nope. Greg Olson. Nope. Gronk. Nope. Think back. Think back. <laughs> He's never going to get this. Yeah, just tell me. I'll give you a hint. Stop it. Oh, Mike Ditka? Mike Ditka in 1961. <laughs> 1961. So when you're telling me that Kyle Pitts is going to be a top four tight end, I say I'm not going to bank on that. I am not going to bank on someone doing something that they've never done before. And right now, Kyle Pitts is going at the price of someone uh, at a a ceiling. He's going at his ceiling. You said he's being drafted in the second fucking round. Are you kidding me? Well, in some FFPC... Okay, fine. Fine, but in general, he's going at his ceiling. In general. Another thing is people are just having this assumption like, oh yeah, now that 
that Julio Jones is gone, Matt Ryan needs to throw to someone, and Matt Ryan's a good quarterback. Well, Matt Ryan sucks. And let me take that back. Matt Ryan is mediocre as fuck. And now that he's 38, he sucks. Last year, he had a terrible season. Horrible. He was one of the reasons why they lost so many one-possession games, because in the clutch, he fucking sucks. And let me let me put this in, in, in fantasy terms as well. Because people would go into the season with Matt Ryan as their starting quarterback. Mike Michael said, Matt Ryan led the league in pass attempts and pass completions last year. And of all quarterbacks with a minimum of 500 attempts, he had the most time in the pocket of any quarterback. So, he threw the most passes, completed the most passes, and had the most time to complete those passes. Throwing to Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley... Even Hayden Hurst, guys who can make plays. Russell Gage. And what did he do? He was 24th in true throw value. He was 15th in fantasy points per game. He was 12th in passing TDs. And he only had six QB1 performances all year last year. All year. Despite the fact that he had the most attempts, the most completions, and the most time to make said completions. I have a question. Hold on, hold on, because I'm not done. Not only that, over the last two seasons, because there has been a large sample size of no Julio Jones, Matt Ryan averages five fewer points per game when he does not have Julio Jones on the field. I, I'm not of the, of the belief that Julio Jones' targets are just going to be vacated. I think Matt Ryan is on the decline. I think that Matt Ryan's last season as a starter is this season. Because I think that the Falcons are going to be horrible and they'll they'll draft number 2 in the in the draft. And they'd have a chance in my opinion, if I'm looking at this team, they have a chance to draft number 1 in the draft if the Houston Texans didn't completely give up on life. They would have a chance at number right. 1. And they're going to have a-, a chance maybe at Spencer Rattler, who is going to be a, a from from all we know, he's a, a top Mahomes type talent since he's in high school. So I'm I'm out on the Falcons in general. Besides 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 Calvin Ridley who's going to excel. I'm right, out. Let me ask you a question. How many how many passing yards does Matt Ryan end with this year? Eleven. <laughs> um passing yards. Yeah, passing yards. Between forty five and forty eight hundred. Maybe okay. 4,040, between 4,000 and 4,500. Yeah, he's going to pass no, a I mean, lot. He's going to pass a lot. He's, he's thrown over 4,000 each of the past like 10 years, so that's not right. crazy. Right. I agree. How many yards does Calvin Ridley end up with? 3,000. 12 to 1,600. How many yards does Russell Gage end up with? Wait, are you going to make me break down all of the all of the... The players in their yards right now? Yeah, even if Ridley and Gage combine for... They combine for 2,500 yards, Calvin Ridley and Russell Gage, which I think is pretty damn high for those two to combine for. That's at the very least 1,500 yards that needs to go to Pitts, Hurst, running backs, Olamide Zacchaeus, Christian Blake. Olamide... It's it's not like Kyle Pitts is ending up in a situation like Noah Fant where there were already weapons. 
TJ Hawkinson, where there are, where there were already other weapons. They just traded their number one weapon. And he's the fourth overall pick, highest tight end pick ever. I did, even if he does slack, like even if he doesn't live up to the hype his rookie year because the tight end position is such a hard position, I still think he accumulates yards and touchdowns. I mean, Evan Ingram had a great rookie season stats-wise, and we all know he fucking sucks. Circum- like the dude is trash. I don't think he's trash. Sometimes you're thrown into the fire. He just can't catch. I mean, he's like, not nearly as good. He's gifted. He's not nearly as good as we probably expected him to be after his rookie season, where players typically don't perform in the rookie season as tight ends. So, I mean, if you're just thrown into the fire, you might just be forced to perform. And Kyle Pitts, it seems like, is just going to be thrown right into the fire on one of the pass-happiest teams in the entire league. Uh, yeah, they were pass-happy, and now you have Arthur Smith in the in the situation as well. I think you have to keep that in mind. Yeah, Arthur Smith comes over, and now... Well, Mike Davis is supposed to be some type of star who's going to rush 30 times a game. No. You see them quads, bro. <laughs> yeah. Quads is legit. Speaking of the fantasy footballers, they touched on something that I was listening to. They were like, yo, why is everyone acting like it's a surprise that NFL running backs have nice quads? Like, there's some kind of surprise in, in that. <laughs> like, there's no surprise here. They all have great quads. They're professional runners. Um, but, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I'm I'm not drafting him in his ADP right now because his ADP is wild inflated because of his name, because of this hype around him. And I just don't see a world where he performs. You're drafting at, at ceiling at this point, and I'm not trying to draft at ceiling. There's I'm not trying to I'm not trying to bank on something that's never happened before. And I'm not trying to draft now listen, Kyle Pitts already has done something that's never been done before. You mentioned it. The highest tight end ever drafted. Right, so he's already done something that we've never seen. So can this happen? What you're saying, Michael? Yes, uh, and for all the reasons you said, yes, this could happen. Is it likely to happen? No, and I don't think there's any way around that. I don't know if it's unlikely to happen either, though. I think I, I think mean, it's more. Uh, I think it's historically like, I think it's like 40, 60, 40 Kyle Pitts ends yeah, up being just an, just another tight end. All right, this I mean, year, I'll give that. This, year, this year. No, no, I, I'm high on Kyle Pitts. Like, Michael picked Kyle Pitts fourth overall in the dynasty. Great pick. And he's going to be a great player, but it just takes some time with these tight ends. And, you know, you know, you can – it's we can't keep, you can't keep making the same mistake every year. Like, these rookie tight ends just don't pan out, and this is how it is. You can't really fight it. it it's just – it is what it is at this point. So I, I just – I know that he'll be split out wide and all this stuff. Yeah, yeah, da, da, da. That's very nice. Uh, you, you know, but or so they say. Or so they say. I mean, right. people love Jonu Smith's athletic ability too, and Arthur Smith didn't do much with him. So, let's move on here, or we're never going to move on. We're already thirty minutes into this episode. Um, so we already talked about one of the tight ends that is sure to appear in our top twelve, and that's Kyle Pitts. So that's one person we don't have to talk about. But we're going to get into our top twelve tight ends. Yes, sir, we are. Um. Jason, you have the congregant list, so you will be the person who was uh, kind of going to host. I did send it to you if you want to be the host. Oh, you did? You know. Oh, you sent it to me on what in the email? That is your that is your job, kid. Okay, so I have it here. And, you know, I think we could start by saying Travis Kelsey and Darren Waller, one and two, if you are a professional fantasy ranker and you do not have Kelsey Waller, one and two, I would have to ask 
what's wrong with you. And it, it, <laughs> I mean, maybe you can stick Kittle in between there, um, but I think yeah, these two guys are clearly... It's not that absurd to rank Kittle over Waller. I think it is at this point. Yeah, for me, it's Kelsey, Waller, pretty large gap Kittle, and it's nothing against Kittle. We fucking love Kittle, and you called Kittle's breakout. We were all over him in the seventh, eighth round of drafts that year, but the dude just is continuously getting hurt like it's it's a legit problem uh so yeah let's 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 talk about it a little bit and i think that you you got to remember the reason why darren waller like i don't know if people realize how good darren waller was last year so travis kelsey has been the the tight end number one overall so before we get into waller just want to really get into kelsey just for a second because kelsey it's kind of ridiculous what he's been doing as a professional tight end. In five of the last six years, he's finished as a tight end one overall. The only season that he finished second, he was 0.8 points behind Gronk in half PPR. So who knows if that's even... if It might just be six straight years of number one PPR scoring. I haven't checked. He's entering his age 32 season. It's, you know, maybe time will catch up to him eventually, but... I mean, you got to be Travis Kelsey's a first round pick at this point. But Darren Waller is kind of in that same category. Darren Waller finished with 61.1 more fantasy points than the tight end three overall last year, which was Robert Tanyan. To put that into perspective, the difference between two and three, 61, was the same gap between three and the tight end 21 overall, Irv Smith Jr., who split time. So. When you're talking about gaps, positional advantages, Darren Waller is up there with Travis Kelsey. And when you think about it, they got rid of Nelson Aguilar, who was their leading wide receiver last season, and they replaced him with John Brown. Even if Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards take those leaps as second-year players that you think they might be able to take it, there's no way, there's no reason to think that Waller won't still be the number one option with the Raiders. So Travis Kelsey, Darren Waller, one, two, easy. Yeah, I think I we're agree. All I just think it's those two. I think it's funny that you mentioned Brian Edwards is is all, but I agree. I mean, listen, he as of right now, he's the third wide receiver in the depth chart there. So there's something to be said about that. Um, let's talk about the third guy having this tier cuz I still I'm not I'm not out on George Kittle yet. I still have him. I don't think there's a there's a big gap between the top 2 and George Kittle. I think if George Kittle is healthy, he is going to see all the things that he saw. Even last year, he played only eight games, but he averaged 12 half, PR, half PPR points per game, which is elite at the, at the tight end position, and 13.2 yards per reception, which is also elite numbers at the tight end position. So if he could stay healthy, he will be an elite player. The problem is his health. And so I think that, you know, and it doesn't, it doesn't scare me. I know some people might be scared off by Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel and uh, the running game there, but I think that that, that offense is made to spread out the ball, and it's made to get George Kittle the ball. So, I mean, look at what Jordan Reed did in his stead. Jordan Reed had some pretty good games, and, and Jordan Reed is is toast. You know what I mean? So, I think George Kittle comes back with a, with a bang and a vengeance. Yeah, I don't hate it. I mean, he's the yak king, too. So, you have a Kyle Shanahan offense. You basically knew Jordan Reed would score a touchdown whenever George Kittle was out. And... Not only is Jordan Reed, I mean, George Kittle able to score touchdowns, but he'll run you over on the way too. So I don't think we need to say much about George Kittle, especially if we always talk about how 
middle of the field players or a rookie quarterback's best friend. And that's why I feel like we might see Trey Lance earlier than some expect because Shanahan has an offense that's uh, that's helpful for young quarterbacks. Debo doesn't get the ball too deep. Uh, Ayuk doesn't need to get the ball too deep. George Kittle will catch it across the field. I wouldn't be surprised if Trey Lance comes in and likes likes what he sees in George Kittle. That's another thing that Jason you hit on. Lovely young quarterbacks love their tight ends, and when your tight end is George Kittle, there's a lot to love. Um, so, Michael, let's go over to you for the next guy. This is this is where my tier breaks in my rankings, um, and this is also where I am chalk in terms of I have this guy where we have this guy. Uh, that's T.J. Hawkinson. Uh, T.J. Hawkinson took some big steps. Uh, last year went from 32 receptions from 60 to 67 re- receptions, over doubling that. Went from 367 yards to 723 yards, about doubling that. TDs went from two to six. Targets went from 59 his rookie year to 101 targets last season. Now there's a new head coach in town. There's a new offensive system. There's a new quarterback. So new coach plus new offense plus new plus new he- uh, quarterback equals new tendencies. So that's something that a math equation that's going to help you out a lot uh, to to kind of sift through the mud of these fantasy so-called experts on Twitter that are going to tell you, well, the Lions do this, 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 this. No, the Lions don't do anything. The Lions are the color of the jerseys and the logo on their helmet. It's the coaching staff and the quarterback who make the decisions, and they're new. So it's going to be a completely new one. But when you're looking at the makeup of this offense – you're looking at a situation where TJ Hawkinson, if he doesn't get 100, if he does not get 100 targets, I will be absolutely surprised. I will be completely shocked. And, you know, their offensive line is a, is a fantastic offensive line. They're the 10th best offensive line, according to PFF right now. So a top third of the league offensive line. And if, if Panay Suell becomes the superstar that they drafted him to be, could even be even better. And who's going to take targets away from him? Terrell Williams, Prashad Perriman, Amon Ross St. Brown. No, it's going to be TJ Hawkinson. It's going to be it's going to be DeAndre Swift. It's going to be um, it's going to be very reminiscent to a lot of the Chargers' offenses, in my opinion, under Anthony Lynn. So I think TJ Hawkinson. I I am tempted to put him up into the Kelsey Waller Kittle discussion this year. Yeah, I guess we're going to be really far off on Hawkinson. I have Hawkinson as my tight end seven, and yuck. Basically, everything you just said has me concerned in that. Look, there are plenty of times where perceived opportunity has led to increased or a high ADP, where who else is going to get the targets? We've seen that over and over year after year. And that's what we're talking about here with TJ Hawkinson. Who else is going to steal targets? I get that. TJ Hawkinson is going to see targets. But he's also, like you said, on a new team with a mediocre quarterback that has to learn a brand new system on just a quarterback on a new team. Excuse me? Hawkinson is not on a new team. I said a quarterback on a new team. <laughs> you you didn't, but I had to correct you. But please continue. Okay. Jared Goff as the quarterback on a new team. Anthony Lynn and company bringing in a new system for Jared Goff on a team that is not expected to perform well. They have a low win total in Vegas. And they're just not a team that's expected to perform well, very well offensively. And yes, <clears throat> TJ Hawkinson was good last season, but he was good. 
period. Like it was, if you remember rostering TJ Hawkinson last season, it was like just one of the most boring seasons ever. This dude just did not score big numbers ever, no matter how many targets he saw. He maxed out at 89 receiving yards in one game, which is great and all, but he had zero double-digit touchdown games and not a single game above 12 fantasy points in standard scoring. In standard standard scoring. In in half, yeah, I was looking at standard, but we typically use half PPR. In half PPR, he did not have a single game at 15 points or above. Not one. And he ended as a top five tight end because he consistently got you eight or nine points. Whoop-de-doo. I'm taking that. Those types of players do not stand out at all for me. They are not league-winning type players. And TJ Hawkinson, I'm sure he has the draft capital and all that, and it seems super exciting. But you watch him play... And it's not all that exciting. He seems like a good tight end, period. He seems like a Hunter Henry type guy. And sure, that's a good tight end, but it's not someone I'm reaching for, not someone I'm expecting to blossom into some type of star, especially when he's on a team that's expected to be bad. So, look, if you want to steal all the TJ Hawkinson from me in the leagues that we share, I'm all for it because... Going into the offseason, obviously opinions can change as we dig deeper into it. But as of right now, I'm really not interested in TJ Hawkinson. I'm really happy to hear you say that because while I was doing my research today, I'm like, damn, I love to have TJ Hawkinson in every league except, um, you know, and that's Michael why he's fantasy and I don't. Oh, oh, oh that's right. Michael, uh, <laughs> remind me, who's finished? who finished over you in the standings last year? Oh, uh, I'm gonna. Uh, how, 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 how many? Cha- how many? How many championships? How many? Cha- how many? Cha- oh yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. Uh, uh, my bad. I, I must be. I must be dreaming. I thought you said uh, you're better than me at fantasy. That's that. Uh, I mean that. I, I must have I been must dreaming. I must be dreaming. I must be. Jason, talk some uh, sense into this man, please. Uh, um, I'm in between you guys. I often talk on this podcast because. People who don't rank don't really know. It's hard to rank, and it's not because I just. Jason, I mean, yeah, it's hard to tell the Jason, future. I'm, I'm sorry for cutting you off, but I just I, on the Brodo app, I just I just pu- pulled this up, and I think I need to tell Michael about this. You said he's not nothing special, right? T.J. Hawkinson finished with the third most tight end one performances in the league last year, and only was a tight end three or worse three times. So he was someone that you're happy playing. A majority of the time. In fact, you're happy playing him as your starting tight end. If you don't have Kelsey or Waller, because he had more tight end one finishes than everyone else combined. I'm not combined. Everyone else individually. So, yeah, it wasn't spectacular. Fine. But he has the ability to be spectacular this season. And I think Vegas is too low on the lines. I I, I would I, I'm probably going to put a nice little like bet on the lines over their win total. That does not sound like a bet that has been kind to uh, to people in the past. Well, I don't know. They don't, <laughs> Lions they, over does not hit very often. I mean, they I haven't assume. been biting. They haven't been biting kneecaps for very long. Okay, Michael, Jason, I'm sorry for cutting you off. What did, what, did, what did you have to say? I was saying before you cut me off, but it's about a wrap, so I'll forgive you. Is that I often say it's hard to rank, and it's not because it's hard to tell the future. That's pretty self-explanatory. It's hard to rank because sometimes. People just assume your rankings are your like where you draft these people, but sometimes you have to weigh 
the fact that this person's probably going to end here, even though you don't really, you wouldn't really draft him at that spot. And that's how I feel about TJ Hawkinson. He's probably going to end around the tight end four. I have him ranked at tight end four. He's probably going to score 10 points a game, be boring old TJ Hawkinson. But am I going to draft him as a tight end four? No. And it's because of the reasons that Michael said. He's boring. He's not going to win you your league. I don't care if I get nine points a week from my tight end who I have to draft in the sixth round. Let me play the waiver wire all season with my tight ends, have a sixth round wide receiver or running back, and then have almost similar output because it's not that hard to find a tight end who's going to put up nine points in a given week. I'd rather take that approach. I just feel like it's a combination of you two. Hawkinson's going to do well, but it's too boring for my taste. Um, boring is an interesting is an interesting concept here. Because I, I, I don't think I it's that boring. Because I also think that uh, Jared Goff's pretty buns and the Lions are buns. He had the eighth most yeah, that's red, my issue. He had the eighth most red zone opportunities last year. This guy's going to a team where he's like, I'm going to bite your knees off. Like the fuck? Yeah, Tim. Eighth mode red zone opportunities, but the dude never scored over 15 fantasy points. Yo, I roster TJ Hawkinson in one of our main leagues, and every single week I was like, I don't even want to start this guy. Well, you're that's I'd stupid. rather start someone else. That's dumb because that's a great tight end, someone that's scoring 12 it's points or 10 points a week. Yes, it is. And not for nothing, you guys are completely just hit. This is a guy going into his third year, and he no, made leaps last year. Leaps, leaps. And he's the of number course. one target. He's the number one target on the team. There's no doubt about it. He Rashad Perriman, Terrell Williams, and Amon Ross St. Brown are not taking his work. They're just not. But that's what I'm saying. I'm not interested in a guy who we've we've heard this story in the past so many times. The he's just destined to get all these targets because everyone else on the team sucks. Typically, what happens in those situations? The team sucks, period. All right, Michael. And there's really not that many usable assets. How many? How many? So let's let's use your logic. Let's use your logic and flip it. How many completions? How many attempts does Jared Goff have? How many attempts? This season? Yeah. How many? How many throws attempts? How many targets? Probably, probably an average amount in the league. So like four hundred, let's say. Four thousand? You mean? No, no, not yards. I'm talking about attempts, pass attempts. Oh, pass attempts? Let's I say mean, whatever the median is, I assume okay. he'll be right around the median. Okay, fine. So let's say 450, right? Where are these targets going? Where are they going? They're going to DeAndre Swift. They're going to TJ Hawkinson. They're going to, they're going to the backfield. They're going to uh, the mermaid. I forget his name. Jamal Williams. That's where, <laughs> the they're, that's where they're going. I don't know. I, I, I don't. Look, sometimes you got to project in this fantasy business. And you can look at history all you want. But when you're projecting, TJ Hawkinson projects great. And if you can get him in the seventh round, eighth round, why not? I don't know what his ADP is right now. I gotta check. But I mean that that if I had to guess. Anyway, let's go let's go to number five. A guy that I'm a little down on this year that I was singing the praises on last year. Um, and that's TJ. I mean, that's uh sorry, Mark Andrews. Look, the reason I'm down on Mark Andrews is because he had a great opportunity last year to excel in this offense, but, you know, the offense doesn't pass that much. The offense only has 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 had, has had the, the least amount of pass attempts the last two seasons. Last year, number 32 in the NFL in pass attempts. 
and there's always going to be a cap on that. Plus, now Lamar Jackson's going to be taking more reps under center. You know, and it's hard when you're a tight end in a in an offense with Lamar Jackson too, because he doesn't check down that much. He's a runner. He knows he'd rather do that than than take give Andrews the. He'd rather make a play himself than give Andrews the ball to make a play. So I think I'm a little down on Mark Andrews because I think the offense that he's in caps it, caps him. Um, I actually have him a little lower than the consensus number five. I have him. Oh no, I have him exactly at number five, which is lower than than ERC, but uh, right at the consensus. Michael and Jason, where are you at on Mark Andrews? ECR expert consensus. You said ERC. Sorry. Talk about boring. Uh, you know what you're going to get from Mark Andrews at this point. Um, the explosion that people wanted did not come last season, and now Rashad Bateman is over there in. Um, Baltimore, and they also drafted Marshall, so they're tra- trying to bring other... I mean, they also brought in... Dude, I can't even talk right now because the Ravens are a worse team with Sammy Watkins. And the fact that he has a job is beyond me. But that's another guy that they brought in to catch some passes. So at this point, like it's showing that the Ravens might want to pass the ball a little bit more, but is it to throw the ball to Mark Andrews more? I'm not 100% sure about that. It's really just a question of how many targets he's going to see. But Lamar Jackson doesn't get enough love considering he's pretty um, he's pretty efficient uh, when actually throwing the ball. And some of that has to do with the fact that he doesn't throw the ball that much. So I expect Mark Andrews to continue being a solid tight end producer. I just don't see a scenario where his targets go up so much that he's going to hop into that top three uh, territory. Yeah, I'm, I'm with Jason entirely. He's another one where it's like, you know what you're going to get, and is it worth the ADP? And for me, it's a resounding no, honestly, unless he drops considerably in ADP because, as Jason said, they brought in Rashad Bateman. You got the other rookie, his name wrong. You said something else, but it's Tylen Wallace. Um, right? oh, I said Marshall. I meant Tylen Wallace. Marshall. Yeah. Um, and then Sammy Watkins. And we're talking about a guy who had six games last season under five fantasy points. Yeah. Like, do you remember? Tim Tim loved Mark Andrews last year. We all of our hits and misses. He wasn't even necessarily a miss. He just wasn't as big nah. of a hit as Tim hoped. I mean, he was but a miss Tim was furious, furious starting Mark Andrews weekly because he knew a two or three point game was going to come once out of every three week span at the very least. And that's what you have to deal with with Mark Andrews. And I don't really see that changing, honestly. Like, he was buoyed entirely by touchdowns last season. Like, in the games in which he scored a touchdown, he scored at least 15 points in every single one. Besides that, rounding up, 4, 4, 3, 5, 4, 9, 10, 10. Completely buoyed by touchdowns, as he basically always is. Like, he was a... I mean, uh, nine, ten, and ten are good scores for no touchdowns. Sure, well, like the majority, of the the majority yeah. of those were three or four, which right. is really bad. And now it's a team that looks like they're going to throw to the wide receivers a bit more. At least they're trying to drafting two of them to add to Hollywood Brown and then adding Sammy Watkins as well. So Mark Andrews is not someone who uh, is tickling my fancy early on here in the off season. I will say this. Uh, Mark Andrews, I hated him so much because I reached for him in the third round of a lot of my drafts. Because I was so confident in the late wide receivers last year, I I, I reached for Mark Andrews in a lot of the drafts uh, in the third round, and I I drafted him at his ceiling 
which if you go to brotofantasy.com or if you go to the Broto Fantasy app, Michael talks about how to use ADP to your advantage in these um, in these drafts. I did not do that with Mark Andrews, and I think that had to do with it. I was just over-evaluating him. But this year, I'm a little low on him. Uh, the next guy um, on the list, on the consensus here, uh, is Kyle Pitts. We've already talked about Kyle Pitts. Just where do you guys have Kyle Pitts ranked? Um, I have him nine. Where do you guys have him? Five for me. Jason? Yeah, Michael has him high. Right now, I have him at nine. Okay, so Michael really booing him up to, to that sixth spot. Um, in the seventh spot comes Robert Tunyon. Uh, extremely interesting here uh, because of the quarterback situation. I have him at 10. Um, I think that, you know, you're talking about, tight, you're talking about tight ends, you're talking about touchdowns. Uh, Jimmy Graham and Rob Gronkowski had are the only two touchdowns to ever have back-to-back. Te- I mean, sorry, only two touchdowns. Only two tight ends to ever have back-to-back TDC, uh, 10 TD seasons. I can't talk right now. But it would not be shocking to see Robert Tanyan doing it as the third guy. I think when you're looking at Robert Tanyan, Last season, he saw 16% of the red zone work, a number that has room to grow, especially because he's dependable. And we know that Aaron Rodgers likes dependable guys. He's always yelling at people for dropping the ball. Tanya finished first overall on catch rate. He finished first overall on true catch rate. And according to uh, Player Profiler, he created the most separation of any tight end in the league last year. Now, he is an undrafted free agent who got his first shot last year, so there is stuff to be seen. But Aaron Rodgers loves to go to sure-handed receivers, and they didn't add a veteran. Um, I don't know what the status of uh, Brandon, I mean, uh, uh, not Brandon, Funchess, Devin Funchess is, but they didn't add a veteran. They drafted a kid. So unless that kid becomes fantastic, I think that you're going to see a lot of the same offense that you saw from Green Bay last season. I think that opens up a lot of um, a lot for Robert Tanyan. I have him here at ten though because I think that's just you just never know. You know, you just never know. Yeah, and I think Tanyan, I think he'll move up rankings. I have him at eight if A. Rod does return to the Packers. Right, like I don't think that's out of the question. If he gets traded from the Packers, he's going to fall out of my top 12 fairly easily probably because he was just one of the most efficient seasons of all, of all time. Like, it has to be. He went 52 receptions on 59 targets, 11 yards per reception, 11 touchdowns. Like, the dude was an absolute animal last season, Um, starting in week two even when he caught his first touchdown. He, uh, he just became a very viable target week in and week out for Aaron Rodgers. And he had his down games, of course. Um, he is a UDFA who just kind of bursted onto the scene, and he was pretty touchdown dependent as well. But like you said, it's not like they've brought in a bunch of new weapons, really. Like they brought in Amari Rodgers, whoop de doo So if Aaron Rodgers returns, Robert Tunyon looks like he's going to be a very viable tight end one option, and he doesn't have the price tag of someone like Mark Andrews, who I could absolutely see Tunyon outscoring Mark Andrews if uh, if Aaron Rodgers returns. Yeah, that's a great that's a great I, uh, that's a great comparison, Michael. Because Mark I Andrews agree entirely. Gonna, my bad, my bad, Jason. But Mark Andrews is going to go higher. But I'd rather have Robert Tunyon on my team because I can get him in the twelfth round rather than Mark Andrews, who I have to spend its eighth, seventh round pick on. Jason, go ahead. No, I was going to say Robert Tunyon is Mark Andrews and T.J. Hawkinson even. Like, in the he's the same person except at a cheaper price. 
with a better quarterback. And everyone's fading Tunyon because he had 11 touchdowns last year. And yeah, maybe that'll drop to nine. But it's still nine touchdowns. Wait, and he's that, still going to have around... That's a wild statement you just said. I can't let you go. I can't let you go with that. Maybe it'll go down to nine. I don't think you can make nine touchdowns. Who do the Packers have? Like, what makes people think that Aaron Rodgers is going to come play quarterback and just decide Tunyon isn't his main red zone target anymore? Not nothing. Why is that I, a thing people think is going to happen? I even I look. I said myself that he he only saw sixteen percent of the targets in the red zone, so he even has more to grow there. Like he can he can have more targets in the red zone. I'm just saying it's hard. There's only been two Jimmy Graham and Rob Gronkowski, the only two players to ever back up ten and ten, ever, in back to back seasons. Now there's been a lot of tight ends with multiple t- uh, ten touchdown seasons. But only two have ever done it back-to-back. And these guys, Jimmy Graham and Rob Gronkowski, that's prime Jimmy Graham and prime Rob Gronkowski. These, are, these guys are, were different level. It's a 17-game season now, though. Hmm. And sure. even 600 yards, like, are we sure Mark Andrews is going to have that much more than 600 yards? I think I, think, I think we last can, year he had 700. I think we could be sure that he'll have more than 600. I don't think Especially with last the year Mark Andrews game. had 58 catches and 700 yards. With the additional game, I, mean, I think that puts him 52 over. catches and 600 yards. 586. Like, Robert Tunyon is Mark Andrews without the hype. So he's a value at ADP right now. Yeah, I agree. Finally, someone we, uh, Agree on that looks like it's actually a, a good value, except if Aaron Rodgers. Oh, I okay. I'm gonna step out of this last one, Tim. I'm taking your job right now because I just <laughs> noted down that I have to take your job for this one. Okay. Um, I have this guy ranked eighth, so I, I'm gonna let you guys talk about him because this next person on our list, Logan Thomas, Michael has at four, Tim has at eighteen. Holy moly, Tim sucks at fantasy. So you Between suck at four fantasy. and eighteen is a lot of tight ends where you can argue are shitty. <laughs> yeah. So let's let's talk, fellas. I'm I'm sitting this one out because I want to hear why I mean, you have four my, and why you have eighteen. My defense against Logan Thomas is very simple. Logan Thomas did not do anything to. You want to talk about boring? Like Logan Thomas was successful for one reason and one reason only last year because he was peppered with targets. He got. Crazy targeted. And now you're talking about Ryan Fitzpatrick coming in. Ryan Fitzpatrick in his career. You've noted many times, Jason, that Ryan Fitzpatrick is a guy who likes throwing to the outside receivers. He doesn't really fuck with the tight end. And Logan Thomas doesn't do anything on the field that sticks out to the point where you're like, whoa, we must get Logan Thomas the ball and make him a part of this offense. You have Terry McLaurin. You have Sims. You just drafted a receiver. You have Curtis Samuel, who not for nothing... Ryan Fitzpatrick holding up the chalkboard that says Curtis Samuel's my best friend. I I'm out in long as I, I don't want anything to do with Logan Thomas. He is he is a pure he is a pure product of volume who will not be seeing the same volume this year. So I'm out. Okay. Sure. Um I obviously am on the opposite spectrum here as Logan Thomas is a late bloomer. Yes. He came out as a quarterback. He didn't he turned into a tight end and then last season blossomed into a very, very solid tight end for Washington. And I think people are 
underestimating what he can be now because he's a late bloomer and they're just not buying into it. When this dude was 35th in true target value, 35th, and he ended eighth in PPR. You're making you're making game. you're making my argument. I'm not you're not your argument. You're making my argument by saying he's 35th. That, to be 35th in true target value and finish as the as the tight end four in some cases last year is ridiculous. That's just it's just it's that's just volume. It's just straight volume. It also means the volume says that he was the 35th tight end, though. The yeah. volume that he was seeing from the quarterbacks he was playing with. I'm not he, sure it, how it, it makes means your he argument. was good, dude. Like you're, yeah, that means Logan Thomas was successful, and the second half of the season, he got even better. Like to start the season. Through the first six weeks, he did not have a single game over 42 yards. After that, he had a 60-yard game, 66, 98, 101, 63. He scored a touchdown um, in six different games. And that sec- over the second half of the season is when he became the locked and loaded starting tight end one. And it was the first time ever that he's been able to work the starting tight end because he- the dude was a quarterback who transitioned into being a full-time tight end. And he took full advantage of the opportunity. And now, instead of Alex Smith, the ghost of, and Dwayne Haskins at QB, Ryan Fitzpatrick, who loves to sling the damn ball, is there. And Logan Thomas, we saw last year. I know they brought in Curtis Samuel. They drafted uh, Diami Brown. They have Terry McLaurin. But Logan Thomas would split out wide last year. And I don't think that's going to change. I don't think just because they brought in Curtis Samuel, who's more of a short route uh, slot type of guy anyways I think if anything that opens things up more for Logan Thomas I don't think this is a like a bad look for Logan Thomas at all and maybe maybe tight end four is a little rich and there's a chance he doesn't end as tight end four of course that's above expert consensus ranking you guys don't agree with him that high but I do think there's a viable like an actual possibility that he has that type of season I, I mean I don't see my it. main concern is that Fitz isn't a guy who peppers the tight end with targets historically. 110 targets, bro. but that's a lot. Um, but like uh, Terry McLaurin is going to have 400 targets this year, and then after that, it's really anyone's 400 guess. targets. I, I'm hyperbolizing, but not that by that much, if I'm being frank. And after that, it's anyone's guess. Diami Brown's probably a good gamble at the back end of the drafts, but. I think Logan Thomas is a decent gamble as a back end tight end one. I'm I'm gonna side a little more with Michael here. I look last year played he played ninety eight percent of snaps. That was number one in the league. He played the number one amount of slot snaps from a from a tight end, which you love to see. That that you love to see. Almost fifty percent of his snaps were from the slot. He was number one in routes run. He was number three in targets. Number seven in target share. He got 30% of the targets in the red zone. Number seven in air yards. Number number five in deep targets. Number seven in red zone targets. These are straight up volume numbers. These are he got crazy volume last year. I, I don't I don't see it happening again. I don't I don't see it happening again. I don't know. It's, Either it's way, hard for though, me to say. Tight end 18. 
Tight end 18 is, like, absurdly low, man. All right, so, I mean, in between him, I mean, it, it's, it's early, but in between him I have Evan Ingram, Mike Kosicki, Hunter Henry, Jonu Smith, Tyler Higbee as 13 through 17. All guys who can be better than Logan Thomas. I don't think any of those guys, if they were better than Logan Thomas this year, you'd be surprised. And then that's not even talking about the guys that we haven't talked about yet, which is Rob Gronkowski and Anthony Ferkser, who I have as my top at, coming in at 11 and 12. So I don't think that it's crazy, and I think that he can even go lower than that. I could see him finishing lower than Adam Troutman. I can see him finishing lower than Blake Jarwin. Eric Ebron, maybe. Chris Herndon, if he if he has a resurrection. Blake Jarwin is, is silly. That's I agree. I, I, look, I'm not. I'm not projecting it. Blake Jarwin's my tight end twenty, but I would not be shocked if Blake Jarwin scored more points than Logan Thomas. I would not be shocked. I would be absolutely shocked. I don't know. Well, I. I, I don't know. That's uh, we're, we shall see. We shall see, as they say. Um, let's go on to our next one. An hour and five, in. I hope you guys strapped in for the long haul. We're at number ten. My guy. Comes in at number 10. Irv Smith. I've got Irv Smith at tight end 7. Um, Irv Smith is my favorite sleeper tight end of the 2021 season. If I miss out on Darren Waller or TJ Hawkinson, um, which I'll probably miss out on Hawkinson because, yes, I'm high on him, but his price will probably be a bit too high. If I miss out on Waller, though, I my... My goal now is to get Irv Smith. I think Irv Smith is is going to be my target because Irv Smith, when he had a chance last year, he really excelled. Um, When you're talking about efficiency, when you're talking about when he got chances, and I'm sorry if I'm stalling a little bit. It's because my Fantasy Pros notes, there they are. All right, so when you're talking about chances, he's going to have a chance this year. Kyle Rudolph is not on the team anymore, and he averaged three targets per game, which is not a lot. But when you add three targets to the tight end position, that's a whole lot of fucking targets per game. So Irv Smith, who, by the way, scored the second most points, fantasy points per target last season and was seventh in true throw and true target value. I think it's his time to step up and shine. And we've already seen what he can do over the final four weeks of the season with Rudolph out. He averaged over 13 PPR points per game, including a 23.3 point performance in championship week against the Saints. A lot of big play potential here as well. He finished 8th in both air yards and yards per target. He recorded the 13th most deep passes in the league despite limited snaps as well. Like, think about that. He had the 13 most deep passes of any tight end on limited snaps. He had the 8th most air yards as a backup. So now he's going to get his chance in the third year, something that is very important. Noah Fant, um, TJ Hawkinson, Irv Smith. These are three guys that are going into their third seasons in the league. And those are usually the seasons that tight ends turn up. So something to be uh, talked about. And of course, let's not forget the perennially underrated. If there's, a, if there's a second poster boy for true throw value, it's Kirk Cousins. Second overall in the league in true throw value last year, Kirk Cousins. And there are plenty of targets to go around, especially with Rudolph out, especially in the red zone where neither Adam Thielen or Justin Jefferson are particularly, like, that's not where their skill set is at their best. I really think that the sky is the limit here for Smith, and I think that, yes, you're talking about the fourth option on the team, 
But once you get past Kelsey, Waller, Kittle, Hawkinson, Andrews, you're talking about either the fourth option on a good team or the first option on a bad one or the second option on a bad one. So I'm taking the fourth option on a good team who I think is going to have a good offense this year. Irv Smith is my favorite sleeper tight end this year. That's your cue. I like it. I like it, Tim. I have Irv Smith as my uh, my tight end nine. Oh, so I'm with me and you. Michael are agreeing. This is the change. This is the change of scenery for today. Yeah, and I think you pointed out the fact that uh, Kyle Rudolph leaving is pretty uh, significant because he stole so much work from Irv Smith last year, and Irv Smith um, was pretty damn solid last year. Less solid than we hoped for. Like, we hoped he would have that breakout last year, which really didn't happen. He wasn't, like, a trustworthy starter. But in games where Kyle Rudolph didn't play, he did have some very solid games, and that includes three of his last six games played with 14 fantasy points or more and half PPR scoring, which is very solid. Um, That's three uh, more than... He had more games over 15 points than TJ Hawkinson did. (laughs) Ha, Tim, TJ Hawkinson. But anyways, yeah, and now Kyle Rudolph is gone. Last season, I was scared off a little bit by Adam Thielen with his age going up um, and the bringing in Justin Jefferson. Going in this year again, I'm still a little scared of Adam Thielen, um, especially after last season where he really lost out on like being that number one guy. Like Justin Jefferson really blossomed into that number one guy. So I do think Irv Smith could start eating into Thielen's targets a little bit and just have a, a lot of targets on his own as well. And it's not a super high volume offense um, passing wise. I don't expect it to be, but Kirk cousins is another one who is just always in the top 10 in true throw value year in and year out, super underrated overall as a quarterback because he hasn't won a super bowl and because he doesn't have that. I don't know. Greatness of like Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes, but he's a very solid NFL quarterback and Irv Smith will, I'm expecting at least like, it would really suck if he's not a full-time starting tight end this year because um, I think he deserves to be. I do think he's in a very solid pick at ADP. Michael, you got caught in the matrix there at the very end. Can you repeat yourself? I was just saying I think he's going to be a very solid pick at ADP if uh, if he is able to be a full-time tight end this year with Kyle Rudolph gone. Jason, are you in agreement? Are, uh, are you pushing back on that a little bit? I concur, boyos. Oh, we're all high on Irv you know, Smith. You know I love me my true throw values, and Kirk Cousins is is poster boy number two, part two, as I, Tim said. I picked Irv Smith in like the seventh or eighth round of a dynasty startup tight end premium, and everyone was like, oh, good pick. Oh. I agree. <laughs> I agree. Uh, it's always the best when you make a pick and everyone's like, oh, fuck you. Oh, that was supposed to be my pick. It's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, but it's mine, motherfucker. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, bitches. Next on the agenda, Dallas Goddard. Uh, Dallas Goddard of the Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, Goddard is strange. I have him at eight, so I'm up on Goddard, but he is one of those guys that I am ready to move up or down. Like I said before, new QB, new OC, New head coach equals new tendencies. But from what we do know, Nick Sirianni, the offensive coordinator for the Colts last year, got his tight ends involved. The Colts, if you combine, I think Michael said this before, if you combine their tight ends, they were somewhere like tight end three or something like that. So you know he's going to get his tight end involved 
for the most part. I think there's a lot of questions, but if you're looking at a, a young quarterback in Jalen Hurts that had, that had trouble throwing deep last year, uh, offensive coordinator uh, slash head coach that has used the tight end in the past, and the fact that you have a rookie on the outside, a second-year, I don't want to say bust, but busty-ish player in Jalen Rager on the outside as well, you're looking at a situation where Dallas Goddard looks to be the de facto number one option on this team, if if not the number two option, if Devonta Smith doesn't um, turn out to be amazing. So I have him at number eight, but this is subject to change. How do you guys feel about Dallas Goddard? Uh, let's, I have let's, start, let's start with Jason. Dallas. Jason, go ahead. I have Dallas Goddard at 13. Um, the Oh, no, wait. I'm looking at Michael. Michael has him at 13. I have all of our rankings up because I'm the one that put them together. So I was looking at, oh, I actually have him at 10. Yeah. I saw 13. I was like, I don't have him that low. And it's because I was looking at Michael's rankings. Uh, we talked, like, reiterate earlier, too. Jalen Hurts is a young quarterback. Young quarterbacks like their tight ends. And the Eagles are lacking weapons. Uh, let's be honest. They drafted Devontae Smith, but he's a rookie wide receiver. And besides him, uh, Jalen Rager is a guy that he's more of like a mockery than an actual guy that people hype now, how quickly the world changes. And they really don't have many weapons outside of that. Miles Sanders wasn't as good as people thought he would be last year. It might be the Dallas Goddard show in Philadelphia because we know that Philly likes to use their tight ends. And we know that Zach Hurts is probably at the door as well. So I've never been the biggest Dallas Goddard fan. Last year, I told you guys, I'm not drafting a backup tight end. And, you know, there were times where I was right. There were times where you guys were right. This year, I'm okay with Dallas Goddard as your back end tight end one because Zach Hurts is probably at the door and he's going to put up numbers. Yeah, the issue for me with Dallas Goddard is, like, that's what we said last year too, right? Like, when Zach Hurts was injured and then when Zach Hurts was sucking, like, Everyone, oh, Dallas Goddard just needs Zach Ertz to go away to become a star. And, that, I mean, that just simply didn't happen. Like, Dallas Goddard was a little disappointing last year. And I don't think that's uh, I don't think that's really debatable. And then with Jalen Hurts, like, he did not have more than five receptions in any game with Jalen Hurts. So, it's not like Jalen Hurts was trying to feed his tight end. We've seen this. We've seen these young rushing-style quarterbacks. And... I don't expect Jalen Hurts to throw the ball 40 times a game. Like, it doesn't seem like they're going to run that style of offense, especially bringing in, a, like, someone like Devontae Smith, who maybe they try to get the ball. Like, sure, he'll take some deep shots, but maybe try to get him the ball near the line of scrimmage and such as well, use him on uh, jet sweeps and things of that sort. So it's not really a position that I'm, that Dallas Goddard is in that I'm super interested in or to see a ton of upside in. I think he could be useful every week and I don't think he's someone who's going to kill you but I just don't see huge potential here for Goddard I gotta say man like I know I, I talk a lot of shit about tight ends but the tight end landscape in terms of talent some good talent man like there's some good players here that just aren't going to succeed in fantasy because there needs to be an order and there needs to be um, targets to different people but you're talking about a situation where Mike Kosicki is tight end 16 in my rankings. Austin Hooper is tight end 22. A guy like Dan Arnold is tight end 24. Jared Cook, tight end 27. These are good players that contribute to their teams. So it's uh, it's going to be it's going to be interesting. Um, and finally, the last one on the consensus, 
Gronk himself, Gronk smash, Rob Gronkowski. I only have one thing to say. It took a little time for Gronk to get the rust off last year, but he led me to a playoff championship in the three-way, in the elimination tor- playoff tournament that we had last year for the patrons because I picked him with my first overall pick in the for the Super Bowl, and the Twins laughed at me when they did that. But two touchdowns later, I'm the champ, and Gronk is back. And in America... You yeah, that count, ended up working out for you. You can count on pears, peanut butter and jelly, spaghetti and meatballs, Tom and Gronk. It's just, it's just, it is what it is. Tom and Gronky. It's science. It's science. Tom and Gronk. Honestly, I was surprised it took you guys, it took us this long to get to him. I'm higher on him than you guys are. I got him at 11. As long as he's playing, man, he's catching touchdowns. And Tom Brady looked like the fucking goat last year. He ended seventh in true throw value. Seriously, like at after the second, after the first half of the season, he just he was himself again. And there's so many weapons for him that even if he drops off a little bit, he, they're still going to be a good offense. And Gronk is going to remain one of his main red zone targets. So chalk me up for a Gronk because I'm fairly certain he's going to score at least eight touchdowns this year. Does the return of OJ Howard scare you a little bit? Because you say that he he had to get his foot on footing under him and he had to get used to it. He turned up in the second half of the season, and all those things are true, but one of the things that goes unnoticed is that O.J. Howard, who was a very high draft pick, I think fifth overall, if I'm not mistaken, O.J. Howard? No, not fifth overall, man, like 15th, but he was a high pick. Okay, okay, maybe I'm bugging. But O.J. Howard, who was a high pick, he got injured, and that's when Gronk kind of stepped up. Any any concern about the return of O.J. Howard? I'd be concerned about the return of O.J. Howard if it was 2017. Mm-hmm. Enough with O.J. Howard. That's my answer to that. I wouldn't be surprised if they just ship him off or something, honestly. What the fuck is an O.J. Howard? 19th He's a o- name. 19th overall. I mean... What the fuck is an a- a- O.J. Howard? He's had 17 touchdowns. Did you know that? 14. 14 touchdowns. Yeah, because he's career. been force-fed the ball his entire career. That scrub-ass. Jason, you're very mean. Sometimes when you I mean, because you're talking about O.J. Howard. This one too. No, and now, and now like, people are listening, and their O.J. Howard supporters be like, no, he hasn't got enough targets. That's the issue. You know what, man? If you're good in the NFL, you get targets. Jace, enough. Jace I hate like, talking about scrubs. He's like the nicest guy outside of this podcast. Just like the nicest dude. Everyone loves Jason. There's really no one in this world that doesn't like Jason. When he comes on this podcast, Thanks, something comes over him. <laughs> <laughs> he gets this anger, and he releases it. Against these guys, like what? what, what I don't ever, got time. <laughs> what did he ever do to you? What, what did OJ Howard ever do to you? All right. So, is there anyone on OJ your OJ stands for overt Jason? <laughs> the, you, Michael, you were so close, but the word overt doesn't work at all. <laughs> it doesn't. That's the that was the point. Like overly angry Jason. No, it, it has me, to be OT. See. OJ Howard took up like two and a half minutes of our podcast. Over re- overreacting Jason Howard. There you go. Um, so is there anyone that shows up on your list? that? Because usually for the patron pod, we do the top 20, we do the top 12 for free, and then we do the patron pod for 13 through 24. But going through tight ends 13 through 24, there's literally nothing I'd want to do less than going over tight ends that won't matter in June. So we're not going to do that. So is there anyone who, by the way, the free, the, the,
pay episode on patreon.com slash brotofantasy is going to be a fun over-under game. So come check us out uh, and have some fun and support the show. Um, Michael also has a, a little Patreon exclusive perk that he'll tell you all about. Um, damn, we're at 120. This is this is an off-season pod right here. Um, but let's talk about it. Is there anyone that... that I'm OJ Howard. Is there anyone on your list here? It's definitely not OJ Howard that we did not get to. Uh, shout out to Noah Fant. Um, we got Tyler Higby. I'd like to give a little shout out to as well. With Gerald Everett gone, and believe it or not, Mike Gesicki. Hmm. I have a. Fant you spoke Gusecki about you, you. You um discussed Tim a little bit about. We talked we about we talked Fant guys. Him. I don't know why I don't know why you guys we talked Fant. Fant was like our consensus number six. We did fan talk fan. I'm bugging because I'm looking yeah. at my stuff and I have him towards the fringe. Uh, but Tim was talking about something we have coming. Um, when you were in the beginning, right? You talked about the cards that we I have did. coming soon. They're they're fucking dope. And I was looking at Mike Kosicki's, and the guy was uh pretty good last year actually. If you look at like compared to tight ends, because you'll see when you see the card. If someone's top 10 in a position, it's red instead of black. And he has a lot of red on the back of his card. Receiving yards, receiving yards per game, yards per reception, receiving touchdowns, A dot, uh, PPR fantasy points, PPR points per game, red zone opportunities. He was top 10 in all those for tight ends. Wow. Uh, it's not that hard to be top 10 in all that for tight ends, but it made me come around a little bit on Mike Kosicki. Mike, what yeah, about I'm you? with Jason. I had Kosicki in there as well. Um, and Austin Hooper got to show love for my guy early on in the off season. I think someone that's going kind of sleepy is Anthony Ferkser. I have Anthony Ferkser at number twelve. I'm fifteen above consensus on Ferkser, and I was gonna have Ferkser higher if Julio Jones didn't come. But I think that he represents someone who could really be good because Ferkser. I don't know if you guys know this Harvard alum, um, undrafted free agent, and last year he only. Played in 31% of the snaps. That's 86 in the NFL in 2001, right? So only 31% of the snaps because he's playing behind Jonu Smith, who's the clear starter. But they let Jonu Smith walk. On a contract that not for nothing, it wasn't the worst contract. Like, probably a contract that the Titans could have paid. But with that being said, why just let him walk? Well, Anthony Ferkser, I'm going to say he finished top 26 in the in these categories, but which is not, you know, it's not that impressive, top 26, so what? But when you put into perspective that he had the 86th most snaps in the NFL, top 26 in target share, receptions, air yards, air yards per reception, uh, yards per catch, catch rate, and most intriguingly, slot snaps. He's lined up in the slot a whopping 41% of the time that he was on the field. Second most in the league in terms of total slot slot snaps for tight ends. Second most behind behind someone we learned today. Uh, Who who is it we were talking about that lines up in the slot all the time? That we were just discussing. I think it was Tanyan. Yes, Tanyan. Tanyan. Lines up in the slot all the time. So does Anthony Ferkser, both undrafted free agents. When Ferkser was on the field last year, he got the ball. I don't know if you remember when I was trying to make a case for for Mark Andrews, not last year, but the year before that, 
when he was splitting time, but when he was on the field, what happened? He was number one in hog rate. That's what I'm looking at with Anthony Ferkser. Anthony Ferkser was number two in hog rate. What does hog rate mean? The amount of times he's targeted compared to the amount of times he's on the field. Number two, he got the, 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 highest, the second highest percentage of targets of any tight end last year when on the field. And that's not, not for a, nothing. I mean, he was he was better than Johnny Smith in was, that role last year. Uh, when, that's not a mistake. I was gonna say like you could tell that this uh, dude is, is out. Yeah, you could tell that this dude is good. Most of most of what I'm getting out of this is sheesh. Tim is in the talking mood today. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I I, uh, I spent <laughs> like an hour and a half. We're good. All right. Anyone else you want to take a note about? I know you start talking about Anthony Ferkser for five minutes. Look, let me uh let me just throw this in here. I Although a, I agree that there's some. I wrote a lot of notes today. I did a there. lot of research today. I was I was in fantasy mode today. All right, search. Uh, um, let me add uh, patreon.com slash You could get obviously the patron pod. You could get Discord access. Uh, Broader Leagues coming soon. Uh, a lot of different perks. And now also a free $5 FFPC Best Ball League if you become a patron. And guess what, guys? That's a free $5 league. And you could sign up for the $3 tier for a month. And you get a free $5 league. So you save 2 bucks. You get to check out the Broto Patreon life. And we're certain you'll enjoy it. So give it a shot and uh, check it out. Yeah, use this as a hack. If you if you if you give it a shot and you don't want to stick around, that's cool. That's fine. Dope. No hard feelings. But we have a feeling that once you once you sign up, not only are you gonna save two dollars like Michael said, but you'll keep on coming back. Jason, where can they find you? At Brodo FF Jason. Mikali. At Brodo FF Mike. You can find Cass at Brodo FF Casanova. You can find me at Brodo FF Tim. See what we did there. We mentioned many times patreon.com slash Broto Fantasy, the fantasy football by Broto app, and BrotoFantasy.com. That's where you can come support us. That's where you can get our content. That's where you can win championships. Um, we're, gonna, we're about to record the extra podcast for the Patreon. So uh, come join us over there. And uh, yeah, that's it for us. You guys want to talk about Jared Cook for like 10 minutes? Maybe on another podcast. Dan Arnold, Dan Arnold, maybe. Dan Arnold or Ian Thomas, who takes the most snaps at tight end for the Carolina Panthers? Oh, oh Dan goodness, Arnold. Man. Later. Peace. Later.